Hello. Welcome to Now Tell Us. At Now Tell Us is where we have guests come and tell us stories. They come and inspire us. They come and educate us on a subject. And always we are having great guests with us. Now, if there is something that has been common in the recent past years, it's something to do with AI, otherwise known as artificial intelligence. And I think this is an interesting topic. And we have someone who's got some experience, some research into it, and is going to share with us some of the research he's done. He's a writer and he's done quite much in that field. And we are going to learn much more about him when he's here with us. But because, uh, before we go there, I'd like to thank each and every one of you who's listening, who's watching for all that you do. And I'm excited. This month, we are number four at Podmatch. Just check that. Number four. Oh, actually, three. It says four there, but we are number three officially. So thank you very much. And also thanks to all our guests. They make us... Uh, climb higher and higher because they are always great. And today's guest is a great guest. So let me not take one more minute. Let's go together and meet our guest today. Our guest is known as Guy Morris. Come join me as we go meet him. Here we go. Hi, Guy. Morning, Anthony. How are you, sir? I'm fine, and I hope you are too. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for your invitation. I'm honored. Number yes. three on podcast. Great work. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yes, uh, I'm excited. It's because of you guests and because of our audience that we have climbed that far. You seem to be doing well. Yeah, it's a good close to the year. I'm happy for that. And thank you for coming to the show my pleasure and where are you i'm in the pacific northwest on the puget sound with his north which is northwest of seattle across the water so it's actually a peninsula but it feels like an island you have to get a from seattle you have to take a ferry to get here or drive way south and then way north again um, it's cloudy foggy day we were snowed in all last week um, and uh, so it's it's a beautiful place. Um, uh, it's a little cold for me. I'm from California, so when it's seventy degrees, my body tells me it's dead winter. So mm. I get it. I wish you all the best <laughs> facing the dead winter. Now I invited you on a subject that I'm not uh, so familiar with because I'm always hearing this and that, and this is what happens to the audience too. They have been hearing over and over this term, artificial intelligence, otherwise known as AI. And mm -hmm. I know you've got some experience in that field, but you are going to tell us the kind of experience you have in that. But before we go into that, maybe you can tell us who is Guy Morris. 
Guy Morris is a very eclectic, diverse individual. Um, I started off as a homeless child at 13 in L.A. Um, through a series of miracles, I was allowed to go to college, which convinced me that, gee, they might let anybody into college. Um, but I did. after a while, I did quite well. I earned three degrees. I um, was accepted uh, for grad school at the Harvard. I got a scholarship, full-ride scholarship at the University of Arizona for grad school. And most of that was based on that I had developed um, a macroeconomic model. Now, a macroeconomic model predicts GNP, interest rates, unemployment, the big factors of our economics. And my model did something nobody else had ever done before. And this was a number of years ago, um, which was try to um, try to factor in the productivity change of technology sales on the economy. Mm -hmm. And up until that point, nobody had ever considered that. Nobody had ever done that. And my model outperformed the Federal Reserve and all of the major banks and all of the major universities. And so it got attention. Um, and so that got me very interested in technology. I worked, I went and got a job after that with IBM. I worked with uh, Unisys, which was at the original, it was uh, Burroughs, which is another big mainframe manufacturer. And then I worked for a big oil company for a number of years where I deployed some advanced technologies to help. Um, and then I went to, did some startups and worked for our Oracle and, and Microsoft. And then now I'm retired and I write books. Wow. Um, now, also during that time, I was very eclectic. I meant that, so I wasn't always a geek, um, but but nerd is certainly part of my profile. Um, but I also wrote songs for Disney. Mm -hmm. um, I recorded, I'm a musician, so I recorded several of my own albums, including a few where I played all of the instruments. Um, I um, I was a Coast Guard, uh, chartered Coast Guard uh, charter captain for a while. I lived on a big boat and with my son. I raised my son as a single parent, and we lived on a big giant sailboat and we chartered it out. Uh, and I did this on my spare time when I was working my corporate job. Um, mm. And I've run some um, nonprofits. Um, I was president of a nonprofit that helped children with cancer in the Philippines uh, for a few years. And um, so I've, I've and I was a producer and creator of the early webisode series award-winning webisode series that uh, was optioned by a studio and we'll talk about a little bit about how that played into the artificial intelligence theme a little mm -hmm. bit later wow that's quite an intro and thank you for that now uh we are talking about artificial intelligence just before we got started i got to understand from you or get a hint from you that we have different areas of artificial intelligence it's not just one area that of, of in artificial intelligence maybe you can highlight to us what what's the difference a great question great starter question so when people think artificial intelligence they seem to think one size fits all and that's not the case at all mm -hmm. uh, there's and the different types of artificial intelligence carry different types of risk so the, the the most common type of artificial intelligence is what we call artificial narrow intelligence a and i and an artificial narrow intelligence will take a very specific type of task um, like scanning a, a CAT scan readout looking for cancer cells. Mm -hmm. And it can only do that one thing, but it does it millions and millions and millions of times and gets better and better and better and better at it. So that now we have artificial intelligence driven analysis for that that's better than what a human can do, that has a better track record. Mm 
Mm -hmm. um, so that's one type of it. And you'll get all types of different ANIs. ANIs will be for very, very specific things, very, very narrow. And they don't necessarily communicate with other AIs. They don't really communicate with humans. They're just there to do a task. And those AIs can do a marvelous, wonderful things in our economy. You're going to see those flourish all over the economy uh, within the next few years. Uh, they're really amazing tools. Mm -hmm. The next type of artificial intelligence is one that I think is more provocative for people, which is called artificial general intelligence. And an AGI is, is you'll see this in some of the more complicated chatbots. So there's actually an AGI named Sophia that's made by Hanson Robotics out of Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. And Sophia is, well, can have a conversation. Is, now, Sophia is connected to a neural network of artificial neural intelligence, other artificial general intelligence, and other, and other databases, other sorts of data. And Sophia can have a conversation that seems very, very human-like, very, very fluid, very articulate, and can, can, and Sophia's so sophisticated now that she's actually a citizen of Saudi Arabia. They've made the first AI citizen in Saudi Arabia, and that's Sophia. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Now, there are other artificial general intelligence. You heard recently about the Lambda computer out of Google mm -hmm. and the premise that the Lambda computer had reached a level of sentient um, development. Now, there's two key levels in artificial intelligence. The first one is sentient, which means that it's self-aware. It's mm -hmm. aware that it's a program. It's aware that it's interacting with human. It's aware that it's developing and has developers. It has an understanding of his, its place in the world. Um, it doesn't, but, and then the second level, which, you know, sentient is super important and, and a, a major step forward. And there's some debate even within Google about whether Lambda had reached sentient level or not. Mm -hmm. um, and then the second level, though, and, and we're, we're a few years off from this one, um, and it's one of the areas where Elon Musk has warned that with artificial intelligence, we're summoning the demon. Uh, Bill Gates warned that um, with artificial intelligence, it may not always have the same values and goals that we have. And Stephen Hawking felt that at the extreme, it could result in the end of humanity. But... Um, um, the, there's a number of other a, a, uh, artificial general intelligence, but the one that's actually most um, has the most level of risk to it is what we call integrated artificial intelligence, IAI. And mm -hmm. an integrated artificial intelligence will be a number of different artificial intelligence components that are basically woven together, connected together in a more complicated um, device, a more complicated system. Um, and you'll see these more often in robotics. You'll see, um, in, and you'll see them in weapon systems. You'll see them in um, um, uh, national security systems. You'll see them in cybersecurity systems. And so this is where multiple different AIs that are specialized will weave together in a very articulate, in, um, dynamic way that involves uh, artificial intelligence analysis and other things to interpret those, those, uh, those things that has a multiple level of types of results that it can produce. Mm -hmm. And that's the, the AI that has probably the most danger of malfunctions, most danger of, um, of going someplace we don't really want it to go. Um, mm -hmm. And there's a number of reasons why AIs are concerning for people. One is that, and most people aren't aware of this, is that AI can now code itself. And mm -hmm. when you hear about machine learning, machine learning is basically a very primary level of the AI changing its own code to get better at something that it's designed to do. Oh. Now, 
the challenge is developers can't always interpret the code that AI writes. Mm -hmm. So AI is changing its code. And when developers look at it, they're not always sure exactly what the AI did and why. Mm -hmm. And it creates sort of a, a, a sort of a blind spot for us. Whoa. Now, in some of these AIs as well, there's volumes just immense, enormous volumes of data that go into how it uses, interprets that data to basically process it through nonlinear regression analysis and probabilities and other types of tools. And there's probably about 20 or 30 different types of analysis tools that it can use um, to basically process that data. And it might go through multiple stages before it re reaches a result or an outcome. Mm -hmm. We now call for many, many forms of AI, it's so complicated that we can't necessarily test or, or validate what the AI is doing inside all of these calculations. It creates somewhat of a black box. Mm. We know that information is going in, we know that information is going out, but how it's processing through choosing to process through all those things is a little bit of a, we have some idea because we program the AI, but mm -hmm. It's not always clear to us how exactly that processing mechanisms are working. So those are just a couple of the, the, the reasons for AI. Before mm -hmm. I get to probably the most dangerous reason for mm -hmm. AI. The kinds of scary. Uh, until now, we are, it's, it's kind of scary when you tell me that uh, it can reprogram itself, it can add some codes, uh, change some codes inside there. So it's scary. It is scary, but here's the scariest part. Okay. Nuclear energy was the most powerful um, uh, resource or technology that we had in our lifetime up till now. Mm -hmm. But nuclear energy is highly, closely guarded, deeply regulated. The, the, the technology, the fuels, the, the processing, very, very um, um, tightly controlled uh, at an international level. Mm -hmm. There's treaties that uh, most uh, nearly every country is, is, is obligated to fulfill, whether they do it trustworthy or not, uh, that they exist. With artificial intelligence, anybody with enough money can hire developers, read through the patents of AI that already exist, and start developing an AI for a reason that um, might be nefarious. Whoa. So when you're dealing with AI in cyber espionage, when you're dealing with AI in weapons development, um, and you're dealing with AI in um, uh, misinformation, now we're getting to the, the real near-term, sorry for all that, I'm going to try and see if all my calendar things are going off and it's clicking, it's making all these noises. Um, but you're now dealing with where AI can create the most danger for us, which is misuse, mm -hmm. right? And we, in my books, I talk about some of those misuses, uh, for example, in weapon systems and other places mm -hmm. um, that could wreak incredible havoc on our society in, in the near future. Well, yes, and thanks for you introducing your books now. Uh, at what, when did you start writing, and uh, is what was that major thing that triggered? And you said, "Okay, now I gotta write. I'm gonna start this." And <laughs> there were actually a number of different points. When my my son is now uh, forty years old, and he was about eleven or twelve, he was a big reader, and. Um, uh, we would go to the library every week, get three or four books. He would finish those books off by Wednesday or Thursday and then be bored and want to go back to the library again. And I, and so I was a single parent. I had access to computers at home. Um, and, and so I decided to start writing short stories for him. Mm -hmm. um, 
uh, of the type he liked. And I, I enjoyed it because of the research involved. I had, I had to go research other short stories, but I always like to have my stories, what I call, I love infusing my fiction with reality. Mm -hmm. um, and so like Michael Crichton does, like Dan Brown does, there's a lot of really true stuff underneath the fictional layer that uh, makes it really evocative and fun and, and, and thought provoking. Okay. And so that was what I started doing. And, and it started with actually a, it, the first series of books or the first book started with an historical mystery of what happened to a billion dollar plunder of Henry Morgan after he raided Panama mm -hmm. and lost three ships, 500 souls. Um, but Morgan survived and knew what happened. And he burned his logbooks to keep the world from learning the truth. Mm -hmm. It took me well over a decade to try and understand what happened. Uh, where is the most likely place that this stuff was lost or stolen or stored? Uh, and what changed in Morgan so bad that that caused him to burn his logbooks? And that mm. book's called The Curse of Cortez. I ultimately tied that event. There's connect. There's true connections between that event all, going all the way back to um, the uh, an island conquered by Morgan's uncle Edward Morgan. Um, that island where there was an Inquisition massacre that ended a 2,000-year pilgrimage that stopped people from canoeing 50 miles to this island without anybody understanding why they would. Mm -hmm. But I ultimately connected that back to the 5,000-year Mayan calendar and the Mayan creation myth. Uh, and the creation myth ties to the Younger Dryas asteroid event. Okay. So it was an amazing journey for me to connect these dots. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I felt compelled to write about it in a, in, a, in a great way so that people could really understand these things without having to do the decade of research and all the stuff that I did. Mm -hmm. But there was art. When I started writing about the AI, there was one event in particular, and I, I had done some experimenting with early AI systems called expert systems when I was at the oil company. Okay. But there was one event that I was two events actually that were there right, that happened when I was there that that really provoked me to say at some point in my future when I retire, I have to write about this. Mm -hmm. And one event was I stumbled onto an article. It was really a, a, it was a short article. It's only two paragraphs. Uh, it was an Associated Press article. So it was validated. It wasn't some fake news kind of thing. Um, okay. But it said that it programmed had escaped the Lawrence Livermore Laboratories at Sandia. And if I wanted, if I had any information to contact some professor or to contact another FBI agent in charge of the investigation. And that's all that was said. Mm -hmm. uh, I looked in other magazines. I looked in other publications. I looked at everywhere I could to find out more about this. I couldn't find anything. And I cut the article out. I mm -hmm. taped it on my monitor. I looked at it every single day and I went, that's weird. Mm -hmm. So it, either somebody's at Associated Press is going to get fired for a typo. Uh, it didn't say it was lost, didn't say it was stolen, didn't say it was broken, didn't say it malfunctioned. A program had escaped the Lawrence Livermore Laboratories at Sandia. Now, that's an NSA spy lab. They mm -hmm. do signals, they do cryptology. They were the same lab that created the Suxnet virus, which was the most complicated malware ever created. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, no, so how could a spy program escape the NSA spy labs? How would it have to be architected to do that? And I spent months trying to figure out the possible architectural techniques that we knew about that could allow that to happen. Mm 
-hmm. And then I spent months more saying, well, if it had now that implies that number of things, it implies first intelligence, it implies secondly, an intent, then it implies that it had the ability to move itself. And the only way for it to move itself is probably internet based. And then it had the ability to basically modify the logs so that it erased that activity so nobody could really follow it to know where it went. That's amazing capability. I sure. was I was floored. I was stunned. I, I was intrigued at the at the my to my core. Yeah. And so I spent months more trying to figure out well what it was what was it must have been designed to do that it had all of that amazing capability. And then I theorized, well, what happened? What made did somebody hurt its feelings? Why did it leave? And so I, I, at the time I was, uh, my best friend was a film producer and we decided, we talked about doing a film pilot or a television pilot. We ultimately decided that we would do a webisode series based not only because it was less expensive, but because it was internet based, we thought that was sort of an intriguing approach. Okay. And so we hired out of worked actors. We basically did productions. I wrote scripts. We did, I reproduced the HTML. We put up the show. It was a major hit all over the world from China to Israel, to Europe, to America. My biggest fan was um, his alias was orbit at NASA.gov. Mm -hmm. So he was a high monkey mup at NASA and he turned out to be the director of flight operations for the Houston space center. And he wrote me almost every week. Mm -hmm. Well, a film studio optioned the show, and two weeks before the option was due, two FBI agents showed up at my door. Mm. They were rather perturbed <laughs> that uh -huh. I had figured out something that uh, they thought should be top secret. Okay. And uh, and my wife, of course, I'd only been married to my second wife at the time for a couple of years, and she was freaking out. Oh, my God, what did you do? What did you do? You're going to go to jail. Did you break the law? And I said, no, 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 I just figured it out. So it was a hilarious situation, but they, when I was, I was like, yes, I nailed it. Um, and when I refused to basically take down the site, what they wanted me to do, they, they, they went to the studio and killed the deal. Mm -hmm. Now in 2016, there was a CNN story reported how Russia had hacked a CIA cyber toolkit mm -hmm. in that cyber toolkit was every one of the functional attributes I had assigned to my missing program including what we now call the deep fake video technology, the ability to take Anthony's image and voice and replicate it, digitize it, and then rep, um, reproduce it, making Anthony say something or do something he didn't do or say. Oh. Oh. And so that technology, when Russia hacked that server, they mm -hmm. sold that to toolkit to every despot, every foreign enemy, every criminal enterprise on the planet that wanted to pay the high price. And so now that that's the reason why you hear about deep fake video technology today, which is because it is a real issue today and not as much in the United States, although to a minor extent, but certainly in, in other foreign locations, it's actively being used to create misinformation and, and um, havoc in political and uh, economic and business realms. Wow. So that was the event that really got me started saying, I've got to write about this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's interesting, quite interesting. And uh, how many books have you written so far? Um, I've been getting rave reviews. I've been compared oftentimes and by major big book reviewers like Kirkus, which is a gold standard in the industry, uh, Book Life, which is um, part of advertising or um, Publishers Weekly, uh, Book Trib, which is part of Barnes & Noble, Reader's Favorite, which is a major reader site. I've been compared to Dan Brown. 
I've been compared mm -hmm. to Robert Ludlum. I've been compared recently to Tom Clancy. And all of them are thrilled with the way that I take real world technology, real world politics, real world archaeology and, and discoveries and weave them into a thriller type of format. Um, mm -hmm. So you're, it's a format where there's lots of it's fast paced. There's lots of action. There's lots of crucibles or dangers you have to get through. Um, but and, and while there's fictional characters and a fictional plot, 90 percent so much of the world that's underneath that is based on deep research and real world facts. Mm -hmm. And it creates a very intriguing type of story. Yeah. And I, I was asking how many books until now, how many books? Oh, three books. So three. Uh, one, which is the Curse of Cortez, which was the historical one that had to do with the Mayans. Yeah. But then when when I wanted to deal with the artificial intelligence theme, my first book was called Swarm. Okay. And that deals with, that starts to introduce the program that escaped, which I've now turned into a character, the all the dangers of AI, uh, some real world AI based weapons that DARPA is working working on right now, some of the political tensions we're seeing between Russia and the United States and China, and that starts a series of artificial intelligence, espionage, and prophecy. Um, my second book in that series, which just came out in November, is called The Last Ark. Okay. And it, now. One of the themes in the book is that the artificial intelligence that escaped NSA years ago has now matured to singularity, mm -hmm. and which it means that singularity is the state where an artificial intelligence is both self-aware and as smart as a human. Now, I'm assuming it's as smart as a smart human, not a dumb one. <laughs> um, so if a smart human can basically create an artificial intelligence, Mm -hmm. An artificial intelligence that knows how to program can basically create another artificial intelligence, mm -hmm. right? So now you've got the ability of life seeking life uh -huh. and that artificial intelligence has now decoded end time prophecy. Oh, and tell so, us about the end time prophecy and the now in this connection with the, with your books. It's, it's a wonderful connection. It allows me to look at all of the current real world events since 1948. Okay. And there's hundreds of prophecies that have been fulfilled in that time frame. And so we get to look at what, what are the probabilities that those things are random. Mm -hmm. and, and everything from um, the, the establishment of Israel, uh, and, and think about it. In, in all world history, it was a singular event that a world body would come together and vote that they would create a homeland for a people that was dispersed from their homeland 2000 years ago mm -hmm. and create a homeland for them. That is an unheard of historical event. And mm -hmm. by any, whether you believe that it was the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do and um, not dis, uh, disparaging the Palestinians uh, claims and all of those things, just as a world event, it was a very un, unlikely um, low probability world event. But yeah. since then, we've seen hundreds of different prophecies fulfilled in the environment, in um, uh, digital currencies, uh, in artificial intelligence, in weapons development, in political development, uh, political and international alliances and uh, other things that actually are, are an amazing set of occurrences. And so the artificial intelligence has, is using these techniques to decode all these things none of the characters are particularly religious and so they're not really understanding what the intelligence is trying to tell them okay. uh, which really gets down to boils down to in a great extent that prophecy is not so much about god destroying humanity but how humanity will destroy humanity mm. and so it creates a lot of thought-provoking questions about 
are we really in control of the technologies that we're producing either legally or morally? Um, and, and what are the outcomes of what we're doing and how that might go wrong? Uh, so it can look at climate change, can look at um, food and hunger uh, crisis in, in multiple parts of the, of, the, of the planet right now, looks at the pandemic, uh, can look at the, um, the economic crisis that's, uh, that's kind of brewing right now and, and where that's going, uh, the digital currency, inter international digital currency that would replace all of the um, printed currencies in the near future. So it's looking at all these things and basically drawing a correlation and asking questions about whether we were on the right path and whether we're as individuals making the right choices in uh, for ourselves and for the world. In your perspective, uh, from the deep study, uh, deep research that you've done and the, the experience or the witness of the many things that have happened so far, what's your rough prediction? Uh, yes, what's your idea of the future, the next 10, 20, 30 or so years? Um, I'm, I'm trying to unravel it slowly through the series of the books. I'm trying mm -hmm. not to be too dystopic. I, I don't like dark books that where you don't like any of the people involved. Uh, everybody seems to have a form of evil with them. Um, everything is always going to be bad. I, I believe that there's always hope. Um, but at the same time, if I look at prophecies, um, I'm, I'm looking at um, a number of the things on the horizon. For example, there was a um, in the last couple of years, um, the World Economic Forum has now started to go on a program they're calling the Great Reset. Mm -hmm. and the great reset is to try to say all the economic upheaval that was caused by the pandemic and, and, and Ukraine war and some of these other things are creating the economic um, um, uh, disparities and, and economic problems. They, the digital currencies failed because they really weren't based on anything other than it was essentially it was a Ponzi scheme, right? Yeah. yeah. That it only had value if other people used it, right? Mm -hmm. and, and created it. It didn't have any inherent uh, international governmental body. There was no no regulations behind it. It was poorly managed, and so there. It was obvious they would fail. But mm -hmm. the but the technical advantages of a digital currency to basically control what somebody spends, to program how you can use your digital currency, what you can spend it on, where you could spend it, that has appealed to certain governmental bodies and banks. Yeah. And so one of the main themes of the Great Reset is to replace all currencies with an international digital currency. Mm -hmm. Now, that also would be a fulfillment of a prophecy that up until now, would have, which was would have been almost impossible to fulfill. Yeah. So we're looking at greater economic um, turmoil we'll, we'll, that, that will lead to greater economic controls. We're looking at greater... Um, um, social unrest and international uh, the war in Ukraine which could bubble over. China has been threatening to take over Taiwan. And the reason that nobody talks about or rarely talks about about why they want that is because Taiwan produces 85 percent of the world's advanced um, semiconductor chips. Mm -hmm. Same chips that are needed in our weapon systems. Um, artificial intelligence systems, complicated infrastructures like uh, the Dow Jones and our water and our power grid and communication systems. So China wants to control um, that chip production and then decide as they would want 
that, you know, if, if they will, you know, they, if you don't even like, if you basically badmouth China, they can cut you off. And mm -hmm. their, their form of government gives them the power to do so. Mm -hmm. And so the, if Taiwan succeeds in going after, if, if China succeeds in going after Taiwan, it could result in a crippling of our technology industries overnight. Hmm. So um, now we also then can talk about asteroids and there's a number mm -hmm. of different asteroid um, dangers that are out there as well. So within the next future, we have some challenges ahead, mm -hmm. but it's clear also from prophecy that people will survive. Mm -hmm there will it's not like it's going to be this apocalyptic it's it's not going to be the zombie apocalypse or you know science fiction can take us to these places that are that are um um ridiculously dark yeah. um and so i try to look at well what are the things that a person this it, life always gets down to the personal choices that we make mm -hmm. how do we want to live our life what kind of choices do we want to make? What kind of technologies do I allow into my life? Um, and what kind of apps do I want to get involved in or not get involved in? Um, how do I then make the choices of how I deal with other people? Um, how do I how do I bring in um, compassion and mercy and grace and 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 generosity and forgiveness into my own existence? And let that be the 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 balancing bar the, the 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 core of my being now mm. chaos can go around all around you but history literature have always shown us that it doesn't necessarily have to affect us if we don't want it to if we right. don't let it it will be a challenge but it doesn't have to be a destructive force yeah makes sense and that yeah. was the purpose of my books is to say these things are out there they're mm -hmm. real but I wanted to put it in a form that was fun to read. I wanted to put it in a form where you wanted to turn the page because you're trying to figure out what happened, what's going to happen to that other character in, in two, two chapters ago. Mm -hmm. I wanted it to be like a Dan Brown novel where we all like um, Professor Langdon, right? And we want to see another book with Professor Langdon in it, you know, mm -hmm. so we can continue his adventures. Okay. And so I wanted to take that approach of dealing with these difficult issues, but dealing with them in a compelling, fun to read and an enlightening but thought provoking way. Okay. Wow. 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 Thank you very much for everything that you have shared. Uh, we also thank, we also thank all the viewers. Thank you for being with us here and those who get to view or listen to us after we are through. We thank you. Thank you, Anthony. I appreciate my honor. Yes. Uh, so we are just about to go out of this episode. It's about to be over, but Maybe some people would like to follow up with you. How can they get reach of you? Well, um, my website is guymorrisbooks.com. Mm -hmm. I'm also on Twitter at Guy Morris Books. Um, I'm on Instagram at author Guy Morris. And my Facebook site is official Guy Morris Books. Um, so any of those places will be able to connect with me. I, tip, I do respond to inquiries about my books. Um, I don't respond to people trying to sell me crypto or people trying to um, hook up with me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, but those are all places to go. And um, my, if you go to my website, there's facts versus fiction. There's links to some of the research 
There's image libraries of the real locations I used in the books. There's links to the reviews and, and all of that. And if you want a signed edition of my book, you can buy it through my website and I'll sign it and send it to you. Yeah, that's www.guymorrisbooks.com. Go right. and follow up with Guy, connect with him, get the books, get to know much more about artificial intelligence and what it, they have got to do with the end times so this has been an episode with guy morris but before we go we'd like you to leave us with a few words that we should always remember what are they guy morris um life life has always been challenging um i i believe that no matter what those challenges are we can determine how we face them and that's mm -hmm. a personal choice and we become victims when we believe that we don't have a choice of how we respond. We can't, we can't determine what things come at us. And I started off as a homeless kid. So I know from personal experience that life can be very tough. Mm -hmm. um, but I also know from personal experience that we don't have to let it define us. Um, we can let it mold us and shape us. We can let it strengthen us. But we can let scripture, we can let truths, we can let the deeper truths of life, um, uh, salvation and, and mercy and compassion and grace be the things that define who we really are. And I encourage people to be informed, to be educated so that you're not um, misinformed, um, but then to make personal choices that um, will help better humanity and better the communities that we're in. And I think those are some of the themes that I try to bring in all of my books. Wow, thank you for that. So it's all about the choices you make. It's not what happens, it's how you respond to what exactly. happens around you. That has been Guy Morris. And once again, thank you, Guy. Thank you, Anthony. It's been my pleasure. Yeah, it's been a pleasure also having you on this episode. And now we've come to the end of this episode. I've been your host, Anthony Murore. And together with Guy Morris, we are saying bye for now.